Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features comedian Carl Donnelly, who's a very nice man. I mean, at least on the basis of our chat. I'm not going to give a whole character reference, but from my dealings with him, he's a very nice man. And he's also funny, and that's what we like here on Desert Island Dicks. We recorded this in the run-up to Christmas uh, last year, so 2021. I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference, except we refer to a couple of Christmassy things. You're familiar with the concepts of time, I believe. So you understand that people have conversations in the past and then sometimes we listen back to them in the future or the present day. So there you go. That's my uh, concise intro. Uh, Just to add, if you could subscribe and give us a rating and a review, that would be lovely. We'd always appreciate that. So just do that wherever you get your podcasts and we'd appreciate it very much indeed. Here's Carl Donnelly on Desert Island Dicks. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Carl Donnelly. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. What's your mood like on on this sort of fairly average grey Monday morning that we're recording on? Well, I've got in quite a bleak uh thing um my mood is actually quite good but for a, a degenerate reason my wife bought me a booze advent calendar okay. well she didn't buy it she curated it and it's a thing i've I'm, i did it last year she bought me a coffee advent calendar mm. and i um basically every day i woke up and i opened my new beans and i made a coffee and i filmed myself doing it uh, and put it on instagram and it ended up people really liked it it was sort of um it became quite a funny little tradition so this year, everyone was like, you're doing it again. And she has curated 24 different little bottles of spirits <laughs> that I had to get up in the morning, open and then drink <laughs> uh, and film it and put it on my Instagram. So I've, yeah, this is currently, it's a, like, basically so it's 11am and I've had a cocktail already. <laughs> so my mood's great, but my life is crumbling. <laughs> That's quite quite a loose way to spend your days, isn't it? Sort of cocktail. I mean, yeah. some people do have a cocktail at eleven o'clock, you know, on their yacht or something. So I know, but not in your kitchen when your your wife's <laughs> had to take your toddler into another room so you can film it. It's quite. There's a real. It's a lot going on. It's it, it all feels bad, but when you finish it, it turns out it's quite pleasant. <laughs> So it's only just it's just for this month, and it is for a bit of fun. It's, I'm not going to continue it in the new year. <laughs> it's kind of like when you get on a plane or something. It doesn't matter what time it is. So it's like on a plane or yeah. in your kitchen. It's sort of the rules of uh, you know time doesn't count. Yeah, it's very drink dependent as well. Like it, mm. like the first day, she hit me with tequila, and that's my Oof. least favorite spirit. I hate it. Yeah. And um, so I was like, well, this is going to be a tough month. And I ended up looking. I quickly just googled like cocktails you can make with a tequila. And I made a thing called a tequila sunrise hmm. that's just full of orange juice and grenadine, and it's really sweet. And it ended up being delicious. 
And actually, because there's a lot of orange juice in it, you could sort of convince yourself it's sort of a breakfast drink. Yeah. So that didn't feel as bad as like, I had rum on day three and I made like a rum cocktail. And that just felt like, it felt really degenerate to be drinking a rum cocktail at 10 a.m. <laughs> so yeah, it's very much, each day is very different. Today was a co- I made a coffee martini, which was very strong. Mm. But because of the coffee, it did feel quite... um okay yeah. <laughs> and it's all it's bad i'm sort of re- regretting starting it now but i feel like once i've started i've got to finish you're only on day six but um well you know i, I don't know i'm to be honest i'm sort of in the mood where you know i wouldn't mind a little drink you know my son woke me up quite <laughs> like in the middle of the night so i was sort of up for a bit in the night and then went back to sleep but you know you're like i mean even though i slept till a normal time in the end i feel like a bit mad and i could yeah, probably yeah. Just have a cocktail anyway, so <laughs> just uh, treat yourself. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's, it's Monday, um, <laughs> but let, let's distract ourselves from from the booze because you know you're here. You're going to be marooned on a desert island with the worst people and worst things imaginable. And um, how did you find the process of, of compiling your list of dicks? Um, I found the um, food, drink, films, all that very easy, quite quick, actually. Um, but the people, I found it quite hard. And I think that does come from the fact I'm not, I don't dislike people. I find it very hard to dislike people unless they've wronged me personally. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So even politicians and things, I'm, no matter how crap they are, it, I, I, I can sort of, I, in an abstract sense, I can be like, yeah, they're obviously some sort of div, but... I don't actually have any genuine dislike for them. In I, I can't, there's nowhere in me I'm like I hate that person. So I found that tricky. And in the end, I had to sort of pick people that I have slight issues with rather than <laughs> people that I genuinely dislike. Okay. Oh, I'm curious to see who's made the shortlist. Then uh, who's going to be the first person joining you? Um, I mean, what I don't know what order to do them. And there's basically a theme to it. I've basically picked people that I think sell a certain type of um you know positivity <laughs> that i don't be- i don't believe is actually as helpful as they make out so okay. I mean, for some reason i've gone for paul mckenna which is a okay. bit of a yeah. nostalgic for, like mm. choice but you know it's that and I, and people will see that the people i've picked it's you know it's that idea and the reason i think it'd be quite interesting putting them on a desert island is because they portray this idea that you can basically be whatever you want to be just with a bit of positive thought do you know what i mean just change how you think you'll be happy and it's like all right that's that's all well and good when you're a you know you live in a first world country and you're <laughs> wealthy and you you know you're a well a, a sort of well-paid author and all that but let's see it in action in when you get into the shit do you know mm. what i mean that's what i want i want to see i want to see these people um try and keep t- selling that idea when yeah. they're genuinely starving in the boiling <laughs> heat of a tropical island yeah, also the people that um, make a lot of money from this sort of thing of like, you know, you can be anything like, you know, I just wanted to be a millionaire and now look, you know, you're all here watching me <laughs> and I'm a millionaire. And it's like, yeah, but that's because you've got an audience of 4,000 people that have spent 500 quid each yeah, to be yeah. here. Like, who's watching that and thinking, yeah, I just need to do it. Like, it's like, yeah, exactly. but you're not going to have 5,000 people spending all that no. money. Like, and the idea, they sell the idea that you can reach the level they've reached to just with using their ta- their, their tips. Mm. But you've, they don't realise that the amount of factors that, uh, it wasn't just hard work that got them to that place. It's, it happens to a lot in comedy, actually. You know, stand-up, there's a lot of people that, like get upset sometimes that they can't make it to you know the, your, your John Bishop levels uh, because they've they've sort of 
bought into the idea that comedy is a meritocracy and it's like comedy is like any industry it's a meritocracy up to a certain point yeah. you still need a lot of factors and it's like people like your Paul McKenna is probably you know he didn't grow up in a skip did he do you know what I mean he's not somebody who was like he grew up in a crack den who somehow has just pulled himself up by his bootstraps he's ultimately he had a probably a decent education there's loads of things that gave him at least a good start and then he's managed to find a niche. There's not that niche isn't open to every person on earth, is it? There's only a limited number of spots to sit, like to book a theatre. Exactly, and like no matter what you think of, you know, he's probably like quite, you know, he's got a good style of presentation. You know, he yeah. can be like comf- confident on camera. And like, there's probably like comedians who are just really bad at doing media. You know, I mean, Absolutely. so not comedian. I mean, like, um, uh, and yeah, hypnotist. I guess, yeah, yeah. You know, just not that media savvy and stuff like that. Totally. He, he or don't been. look that great. Or, don't, you know, uh, yeah, there's loads of factors. It could be, you know, yeah, for him, for every one of him telling you you can be whatever you want to be, there's 10,000 people who tried to be what he said and they're just the, op- the options weren't open for them. Mm. So I, that's, I'd love to see somebody who ha- their whole shtick is sort of positivity and believing in yourself. I'd love to see how they would react when you're yeah. literally scrabbling around for food <laughs> on an island so that's why i've if it's weird i've sort of picked them in a sense that i would quite like the novelty of seeing them in those places but also at the same time they're the sort of people i don't tend to like being around yeah it would be interesting wouldn't it because you sort of go okay we're all starving now um I mean, Paul, I really want to not be starving. I don't know how how does this work. Like, I really wanted this this trap to kill the wild pig to work, and it hasn't. Yeah. Like, what? Do, where do we go from here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know, if you were obviously look, positive mental attitude can be really useful and can be a really helpful thing. But there's, you know, there are limits to it, like anything. Like we've yes. said, watching him come up against a wall of just like there's nothing you can do to get out of this. Would well, be that's like, it. At which point you say like, look, we've tried three weeks of positive mental attitude you know <laughs> and uh, and so far it hasn't actualized any sausages so <laughs> you know we now need to change tack it would, it would be that moment where they realize that their whole careers sh- sort of idea is actually sort of based on a falsehood that would be the moment i'd want it'd be like watching a priest kind of just like become an atheist or something wouldn't it just like lose so. like someone losing faith in god or something yeah they're like oh shit wait <laughs> it can't cover everything like, yeah, yeah yeah a priest having meeting it like haven't been abducted by aliens and realizing <laughs> that oh we're not, we're not god's chosen people it turns out but yeah i think that it, it's i just don't yeah i don't know i don't know how you've I've, I've never liked people that are overtly positive all the time mm. i don't trust it as a as a setting i'm quite a positive happy guy but I don't, I don't sort of p- pretend it, that I'm that all the time. I mm. also am willing to admit that you know life is uh, is not always rainbows and yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 sometimes you cannot just be like just believe in yourself. Some days you want to actually wallow in self pity and you know get down in the dirt with yourself. Yeah, well, I think it's really important to be positive, but I also think it's important to, like, acknowledge when you're not feeling like that. Well, yeah, and then, so, You know, but I mean, like, there's people, because I think Paul McKenna practices that sort of neurolinguistic programming. NLP, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I'm in a bad mood. I'll just tell yourself that you're not. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's healthy, isn't it? And I've known people who've done this, and you're like, are you okay, mate? And they are, like, saying, yeah, I'm fine, like, through gritted teeth. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
that can't yes. be healthy. Like you need like a little, rel- you know, like maybe don't go around ranting all day, man. Don't don't no, do a no. podcast about people that you hate, but you know, <laughs> like, don't go mad. <laughs> but um, you know, like just let a little bit of steam out now and again because yeah, I just, they're terrifying. And obviously, the flip side is equally as annoying. People that just are just constantly down. You know what I mean? And that's not. I'm not having a go at people that have mental health problems. I'm talking about people that just are miserable all the time even though they're not actually that depressed yeah so i think it's it's almost that i don't like i don't like the extreme ends of the spectrum i suppose i like people that just float around the sort of middle ground of your emotional spectrum some days i'm up some days i'm down i don't want to be on a desert island with somebody who's constantly like guys we're going to be fine we're going to be rescued today it's like shut up we're not (laughs) been here for six months no one's even gone near us with a with a boat just accept that we are going to die here one day I agree. I agree. And I think, yeah, just watching someone just be relentlessly try and manage like a, a, a equilibrium when you know that everything is bullshit around them. I think that's, a, yeah, yeah, that's going to push you as well. Because there'll be times you're like, just fucking show some emotions. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. But these three names I've picked would all annoy me for that reason, I think. Oh, I don't know. I, I actually think they'd probably break down at different times. Okay. I think McKenna might be quite hardy, actually. I think he would take a bit of break in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I reckon it would be a good month or so until <laughs> the chips are really down that he might go, all right, I get it. NLP <laughs> cannot help us find berries. <laughs> okay, well, it's a strong opener. Let's find out who the other two are joining you. Who's your next choice? Um, the other, I mean, it's weird that I've just picked two uh, American talk show hosts, but one is <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, Okay, uh, which is weird because she is very popular and mm. she seems very nice. But she's another one who I think sells, you know, she's always got guests. And I, I, I don't watch the show. I mean, it's, we're in the UK. Why would I watch an American chat show? But, um, but you see, cli- I always see clips online when she, it's like Oprah talking to Deepak Chopra about how you can just, you know, sort of get rid of all your anxieties. And it's this sort of new age spirituality, which I should love. I'm a vegan who's into meditation and stuff. So it should be right up my street. Mm. But I think it's such a... A lot of it is very empty and is more about book sales than anything else. And I think Oprah is a real purveyor of that. Similar stuff to Paul McKenna, but at least Paul McKenna is coming at it from a relatively scientific point of view. That NLP is essentially like cognitive behavioral therapy, isn't it? It's mm. you trying to convince yourself to get out of a bad mood. Whereas I think um, she would perv- be the, a purveyor of a much more um, not dangerous is the wrong word because I'm into half of it, but like that thing of saying that you can just let go of all your problems just if you just decide is mm. a sort of, I think that would be an interesting thing to see how that works on a desert island when you're stranded. Yeah, there's there's a whiff of uh, a lot of Oprah's stuff that I see. It's a whiff of kind of inspirational poster about it. Totally. You know, which Keep I mean, calm and carry on and yeah. drink gin. <laughs> you know, that sort of... <laughs> shitty posters also you're going to be on a desert island you know so your constant backdrop will look like an inspirational poster so she's probably going to feel really at home there just like her words wafting over the sunset (laughs) you know Um, it's also she's that she's the perfect example of somebody of course it's easy for you to let your problems go when mm. you're almost a billionaire do you know what i mean you are so rich and uh I, i find it funny when i think the richer you get and the more successful you get as a celebrity the more you should keep your mouth shut about other people's lives and their problems you know what yeah. i mean it's it becomes more and more rude i think to try and uh give people advice on how they should live their lives it's like because you get further and further removed 
from any of the problems that affect most people on earth do you know what i mean yeah, it feels definitely. like i find that really like annoying i would i think so again i would like to see and this i'm not, not obviously i really i wouldn't really like to see i'd actually prefer if none of us end up on a desert island <laughs> let's be honest but somebody who genuinely i don't think realizes that their circumstances are probably the basis of most of their happiness <laughs> i'd like to see them put into a tricky situation to see if they can then live this lie they've convinced themselves of mm. yeah i saw oprah once sort of talking about the importance of finding your happy place and she was sort of talking about how like <laughs> your fucking bank balance is your happy place love well yeah she was in her enormous house going no, this spot in my garden you know i come out here every day for like <laughs> half an hour and i just sit for a while and it's like you've got a massive garden. Like you've got a yeah, really, yeah. really big garden and you have time to sit for half an hour. Like a lot yeah. of people don't have either of those things. And it's, totally. it's like, you know, it's like Madonna in her bath of rose petals saying that we're all equal now, you know, and the, you know it's like in the pandemic. And it's like, come on guys, come on. Let's uh, you know, read the room. I know, but it's not because again, you do, they just get further and further away from being able to read the room. Reality gets further and further away, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's why I'd, I'd love to see, you know, um, Oprah bust out a bloody, you know, The Power of Now yeah. by Eckhart Tolle when we're on the, we're on the <laughs> beach starving. All right, let's see how, now, how being present helps now, mate. <laughs> I mean, behind all that calm, I bet she's also can potentially swing into being a bit of a diva quite oh, quickly. 100%. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Even, yeah, she's not. If she gets to a hotel room and it's a crappy little travel lodge sort of thing, she ain't going to be, oh, this is right. It's, you know, just be present and be like, I can sleep here. It's just a bed. It's like, no, mm. shut up, mate. <laughs> I um, yeah, I just don't. I don't really buy it. Yeah, I think her her philosophies clashing with Paul McKenna's will be quite interesting. I think at the beginning they'll have a little discourse and then it'll be quite quickly yes. to start butting heads over things. Definitely, because I do, I do, and this isn't. You know, Paul McKenna at least does believe you can. It's a, it's sort of a, actually a scientific mental bit of trickery you have to sort of play on yourself rather than the sort of new age spiritual one of just like just let go man just sit and just you know be present and it all goes away that takes years and monks take their lifetime to get to that point mm. telling somebody watching your chat show that all it takes is like 10 minutes a day of meditation you'll be all right it's like no it's that is that will help but let's not pretend that you're suddenly going to get enlightened yeah. by taking 10 minutes out of a really stressful tough day just to sort of sit yeah, they, yeah do it because there'll be benefits but let's not sell a lie that it's going to fix all their problems okay so we've got the first two and there's already like a nice like a nice tension going on which i'm enjoying um who's going to be the the third in this uh triumvirate of dicks it's another american talk show host do <laughs> you know what i'm trying to think up names i genuinely struggle to think of and I, then I, I thought of paul mckenna because i just i don't know why i think it's actually because i recently downloaded one of his books out of curiosity hmm. i downloaded it on kindle and then it said it, at the end of each chapter listen to the cd and i was like i've got I've downloaded it on kindle mate it didn't come with the cd <laughs> um and I, I hadn't enjoyed the first chapter anyway but uh and i tried to think of other british people it turns out actually this made me quite happy to be British and live in this country. We don't really have that sort of person on telly. We don't have this overwhelming positivity. <laughs> I do think we keep it a bit real. And then I thought of Oprah. And then I just then I just remembered Ellen uh, DeGeneres, who oh. I think is the sort of apex uh, predator of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's almost reached a point of faux positivity. 
that is so extreme that I I would find her so hard to be on a desert island with. Yeah, the dancing, the dancing, all that, all that, that, all that everything has to be positive and exciting. And I just would be like, some days you just like we are literally dying on an mm. island. Can you just let me? wallow in it please Ellen <laughs> but she I mean like we said about Oprah you know like behind the scenes you know that there's probably quite a tough savvy lady kind of not taking yeah. any shit but with Ellen like I mean you can really like there's a very thin veil between oh. on and off screen well, I mean, when you, you heard all that came out about um, how she treated her staff and everything like, there's loads of horrible stories about the moment the cameras are off she is rough as <laughs> guts to people so again, it's she's a, yeah she's the perfect example of somebody who sells an idea, but actually it's sort of a um, character, isn't it? To, yeah. To, to to keep their position. Mm. So yeah, to see just to see somebody who's does, uh, I'd say out of all uh, the most extreme, like you know, sells herself as this super positive, happy go lucky, everything's great person. All right, come on, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> let's do this, Ellen. I mean, she might be quite useful on an island because she has that, that fiery drive. I mean, they're all three very ambitious people, so maybe yeah. that would be useful. But, I mean, I guess it's like you need ambition to work together rather than just sort of like yeah, 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 being, yeah. like you say, like the apex predator and sort of throwing everyone else <laughs> under the bus because something's been done wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. think in that respect, it's not probably not going to work together that well. Yes. I reckon there's a rivalry between those two as well. Oh, I'm sure. Ellen yeah. and Oprah. Yeah, definitely. I've never um, been so appreciative of British um, talk show hosts. <laughs> you know, when you look at our talk show hosts, are oh, crap, but in a sort of good way, aren't they? We let Piers Morgan host the chat show. That's <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's how that's how we celebrate misery in this country. Because I remember it's, there was a period where, like, when I was at school, those programs got quite popular for a while. Like, Ellen was on, and yeah, it was like Montel. Was it Montel Williams? Yep. And yeah. Ricky Lake. <laughs> Ricky Lake was on. Like, Jerry Springer, but, obviously. Yeah. And but at least was... those ones had a bit of bite to them. Your Jerry yeah. Springer and your Ricky Lakes were about people getting arguments sorted. Yeah. It wasn't, it was the opposite almost. It was quite nice to see Americans not be positive for a <laughs> But yeah, I think it just doesn't really translate into our culture very well. It's like, oh, let's just sit and have a chat. I mean, it's basically question time, isn't it? It's like, you yeah. know, question time is our kind of panel show in a way. I know. I just don't, I can't imagine it working. I mean, maybe the next generation will be a bit more open to it because that sort of Americanization of our culture. But mm. I don't know. I just don't think it would wash having somebody, like having a talk show has come out and dance and make the whole audience starts dancing. I think we would be like, fuck off. <laughs> just insulate, turn that shit off. And also with Ellen, like quite a lot of it's like, look at this cute four-year-old, like he's learned to play the drums, yeah, yeah. you know, and like we've got Instagram and stuff. So it's like, there's not really, really much, if you want to see like, you know, a load yeah. of kittens being cute and, you know, and like, or like a sheep that's friends with a duck and it, like, you know, we can find that quite, we yeah. don't need to like wait half an hour of Ellen and like, you know, and then see her again. Oh, and look at this cute little story from Missouri. <laughs> You know, so uh, yeah, I think Ellen is is going to be a tough one to to live with. Definitely horrible. I mean, yeah, I do think I would definitely be sit, sitting back and watching these three try and vie for control. Essentially, I reckon this would be a real power struggle between three, you know, people who think they understand the human mind and what we need more than anyone else. 
it's really going to be a disaster. But it's going to start off as such a sort of like passive aggressive war of attrition before well, it see, really gets all stuck super in. nice. Just saying, no, guys, uh, we'll be fine. Let's just uh, let's just sit and just <laughs> work things out. I reckon give it two days and it'll be carnage. Yeah, I think a very good people choices, Carl. So <laughs> very well done. It's okay, hard, it genuinely was hard because I don't. I genuinely don't dislike these people. I just I dislike the sort of the products they are selling to us. Yeah, and I think what it's going to create is going to just be hell to live with. So I think it's it's solid. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Um, I've gone for... Uh, well, I'm, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for years. So obviously I've had to go for some form of meat. And like I, you know, I do. Often people ask you oh, if you're on a desert island, would you eat meat? And I think probably it's the truth. You know what I mean? Mm. I think you know there is a point of starvation when your moral sort of compass does go out the window. But so if I was thinking, what meat would I have? Like there's meats I miss, you know, the flavour of, not the what it is. Um, so you know, sort of obviously a steak and bacon always are sort of the top ones. But I remember meats that I hated when I was a meat eater and it was always meats that had that big chunky bit of fat on the edge <laughs> so like a sort of you know lamb chop or like a yeah p- pork chop those sorts <laughs> of things that just were gross when i ate meat mm. so the thought of eating them now after 10 years of not going near meat gives me heart palpitations <laughs> it's that wobbly fat that you used to get on the edge of it <laughs> makes me feel sick just thinking about it mm. so that that would be it would be a chop of some <laughs> cut of meat. Yeah. Even the, the word chop makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I I mean, you know, I've got to hold my hands up here. I really like lamb chops, but like the word <laughs> chop is kind of disgusting. I don't know why, because it, maybe it's because yeah. it's like the, it, you know, is the verb as well. You know, it's like just chop it up. I suppose it's quite nice. It's actually used, uh, you know, often the, the, the words used for meat is very, you know, it couldn't be further from what it is. You know, I mean, it almost protects you from what it is. So it's quite nice that they've just gone. No, it's a chop. You know when <laughs> you know how this came to be. Yeah. Sort of own it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that it would be any piece of meat that has a wobbly bit of fat on it. Would be, <laughs> that would, I know it's a quite a, a broad description, but that's I just couldn't go near it. It would make me feel sick. I wonder now. I'm thinking like you know, sort of calling something a chop, and it's a bit like you know when you have like pan fried fish or whatever, but then they can have like knife chopped. Meat, you know, like yeah. abattoir killed meat yeah, served yeah. with pan fried vegetables or whatever. Like, you know, just toughen, edge it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, brutally slaughtered cow. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, um, yeah, but I, I, to be honest, I think, you know, I do miss the flavors of most meats. You know, I used to love, I used to love offal, weirdly, talking about lamb chops and all that. I used to love a bit of a, like, um, kid, like kidneys and, um, chicken livers were my favourite bit of meat. Really? So I wasn't averse to like a, a, a slightly more challenging cut of meat, but it was just that fat. It was the fat. I couldn't hack it. At no point in my life, my parents are like working class Irish people, so that was, you know, their favourite bit of meat, just that wobbly bit at the top. <laughs> so I, but I think it just gave me like a, a proper phobia of it from a young age. Yeah, fair enough. I think, yeah, the things that sort of get you when you're young are so hard to get rid of. Like recently... Oh, yeah. 
I went to my mum's house and she was like, like, I always had this real thing against liver. Like it was the first time I got in proper trouble at school was because I like, we had liver at school and I was just like, I can't handle this and threw some on the floor and hope they didn't notice. And I got <laughs> caught and it's my first time getting a real talking to from a teacher when I was like six or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, my mum was like, yeah, she's got a few health problems. So she's trying to like, she needs to sort of more iron in her diet. So she started eating liver quite a lot. And I was yeah, like, yeah. Well, I'm a grown-up now, so I'll give it a go because I don't mind things like pate and whatever. Yeah. And it's so weird because I can taste that it tastes the same as pate, but I could barely swallow it. It's all I could really? do to not spit but it up. Because I think how they're cooked is so crucial. If you go to like yeah. a French restaurant and they do it like loads of butter, even now I, I'm vegan, I can I can be like, oh, this would be so nice to eat. But um, you know, it's that thing of English people cook liver like it is. You know, I, I'm trying to fit like something they overcook it to the point where it's mm. being grey almost. Yeah, and you get that sort of stringy. Yeah, even that makes me feel sick. The thought of eating a but bad it's so dinner. weird. Yeah, like but I mean the taste of it wasn't too bad. I was just but it was something just knowing it just took me sort of straight back to school and I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> fuck this. Even though like I could sort of tolerate the taste, it's something in my memory just went no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so like you haven't and especially you know you haven't eaten any meat for years, so that's gonna fuck you over as well. And oh, you know, I, and my the guts would be in. It would be chaos, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, and the you know the chops have come from a plane, so they're going to be plain chops. You know, they're Ooh, not going to be good. Yeah. So, <laughs> plain, plain chops yeah. is a real. That's a description of some food, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> what are you going to wash it down with? Whiskey. I hate whiskey okay. with like a ven. Not a vengeance, but yeah, you know, I I whiskey to me is like I think of them like cigars. In that I genuinely don't believe anyone likes them. I think it's all a lie. I think it's I think it's people pretending. Do you know what I mean? Anyone who just and by that I don't mean a whiskey and coke, whatever. That's what you're drinking there is coke with a tiny bit of a, a different flavour at the end, and it's it's got alcohol in it, so it makes you feel nice. But anyone who sips whiskey and acts like they genuinely like it, I just genu- I always just think you are a liar, and you're just doing this because you think it makes you look cool. I, I hate it like. It may, and it almost takes you back to being a kid. You know them times like being a kid where you'd nick a bit of booze out mm. of like the cupboard and you'd try a bit of whiskey and it'd make you go like, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> That's what I find. I still have that experience with whiskey. About once a year, I'll be with friends and we'll be out and somebody's like, guys, should we get a Lafrague? And they'll get like a little whiskey <laughs> on one, just have one block of ice. And I'll be like, all right, maybe I've hit that age. You know, sometimes your palate sort of changes. Mm. happened with wine. I hated wine. And then I'd, I remember being in Australia and having a somebody got a bottle of like really nice white wine. And I was like, oh, it was really cold and crisp. And it was a lovely warm evening. And I drank it. I was like, oh, this mate, in this context, it tastes mm. good. But I've just, and so every year I think, oh, maybe this is the moment that whiskey is unlocked for me. Yeah. And it just never, it's never happened. I hate it. I think it's disgusting. <laughs> and I don't believe anyone likes it. Okay, well, so I I am someone who likes whiskey, but <laughs> I should have asked before I went into that. No, 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 but no, because it's like a, a lot of people say, it, and I used to hate it as well. But I think there is something really contextual about it. You're right, because like the other year, so like I like quite normal whiskeys, right? That aren't just all like crazy and smoky yeah. and like taste of antiseptic and just like bonkers. <laughs> you know, like someone drinking them and you can smell it for like five yeah, yeah, feet yeah. away. But then my brother-in-law bought me a bottle of that, like this really mad whiskey for my birthday. And I started, I drank it. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like it tastes like... 
like it actually tasted like a bonfire. You know, like when you're close, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. be next to a bonfire. It tasted like that. And I was like, this is fucking nuts. Then I was watching a film where two people were really cozy next to a fire, drinking this scotch that looked quite similar to the one that I had. Yeah, like yeah. the color of it was really dark. And I was like, maybe I'll have another go. And as I was watching them enjoy it next to a fire, I drank it again. I was like, oh, I get it now. It tastes all right. So I'm like... Probably the whole thing is bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's all psychosomatic. You know, yeah, because I was like, I just like, you know, like Paul McKenna would love it. You know, I just completely programmed yeah. myself into liking this other whiskey. Yeah, you did CBT on yourself. Yeah, and then after that, all the other whiskeys just taste like I can just down them really easily. And you just have it just neat on its own. Just yeah, yeah. I find that so fascinating. I, I, I don't, I cannot understand how that works. Like, like I've never tasted one that. I felt any positive taste notes on it. It's mad. But I suppose the same, I'd, I'd say the same for brandy as well. Yeah. Um, but brandy not to, brandy doesn't, I don't have as visceral a response to it. Like, hmm. brand, like I've had brandy a couple of times, at, for some reason, always at funerals. That's where somebody always gets a round of brandies at the end. And um, and it's horrible, but it's, it's more manageable for me than whiskey. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of neat spirits is like, it's such a weird thing. Like, I wish I couldn't drink neat spirits as easily because, like, some you know, I sit at home and I'm like, oh, I'll just pour myself a whiskey, and then I go and get a whiskey in a pub, and I'm like, shit, what I'm drinking at home is what I think as a measure is like four times that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if I drink even like a normal mixer in spirits now, it's just, it just, it's so easy to drink it so quickly. Yeah. I'm like, this is just dangerous now. I'm just ruining booze for myself whilst ruining myself. <laughs> like, I need to step back a while and just yeah. sort of get less grown up about it because it's too like, my palate's fucked now. It'll just I wish I could any- drink it neat because, like, just the quantity of liquid is so much better. Like, mm. you know, if you had a night out and you just drank, if everyone was drinking pints and you were drinking just a little single whiskey, over the course of the night, you would drink what maybe half a pint of liquid <laughs> whereas if you drink if i like i i i'm i'm finding as i've aged and become a parent i uh, my my beer intake i'm starting to lower that because mm. i genuinely think it's a quantity thing now i used to go out and have 12 pints and you and you at the time it doesn't matter because it's a long evening or like a day goes into an evening but now i genuinely the thing that puts me off more than anything is the quantity of liquid it's like yeah. a, you know, that is, that's like a, it's like about three buckets of liquid you've just drunk in a night. It's your body shouldn't be doing it. Whereas, so that actually, I like the idea of drinking a neat spirit because I just think that feels much more. It feels not healthy is the wrong word, but it feels like your body can cope with that much better than pouring a pint down it every 15 minutes or something yeah it's like you know when you first try smoking when you're a kid and you're like this is fucking yeah. disgusting and you sort of persevere because <laughs> you want to be cool and it's like yeah, yeah well yeah. we've all sort of done that with booze haven't we really like no one's so. liked their first taste of booze unless it was no, like no. incredibly if it's like baileys maybe you know but yes i mean yeah, no one has a white russian as their first ever drink <laughs> So it was a stolen bit of like sherry from your mum's cupboard. Yeah. So maybe none of it is nice and we're all just idiots just sort of ploughing through. That is true. But also the thought of drinking neat whiskey in a, a tropical island is pretty gross as well. Yeah. Just burning in the sun, <laughs> just necking it. Yeah, and just, oh, God, the hangovers just be horrendous. Oh, That's a good choice. Okay. Well, Carl, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Um, 
I mean, I've got a couple of options film-wise. One could be a mm-hmm. series of films, and uh, the other could be... Well, I mean, there's a couple of other ones. Okay. But I reckon that the series of films I would probably least like is the Marvel films. Right, okay, yeah. Weirdly, they actually probably wouldn't be that bad to have in the sense of you can put them on in the background and it's just a bit of silliness to take your mind off it. But I just, I've never really got the appeal of it, especially with grown-ups. Do you know what I mean? I find when you see a grown-up who loves Marvel films, I think about them in the same sense of grown-ups who like, like, you know, just kids, like gamers or something. That's Again, that's I said that with a tone that was quite judgmental. <laughs> but like, I've never understood grown-ups who are too into kids' things. And I think of the Marvel films as kids' films. And so I don't understand how they've become something that adults are confident to tell people they enjoy like i've never watched one and not come away thinking that was too long there's too many characters and there's too much noise and explosions it used to be that if you fancied something like iron man or something it was because you just wanted something that was like you know hour and a half quite easy not gonna use up your brain too much just sort of like a few explosions and now they're like three hours long like you say they've got Loads of plots going on and references yeah. to other things and little it's like madness. Easter eggs hidden in them that reference something else. Yeah. Like and all the action and effects, it's like you know when you're young and it was like, Oh, Terminator Two's come out, the effects are amazing because effects weren't always that good. And exactly. now well, they've all they've just been great for years. You know, yeah. maybe if you go back to something like The Matrix, it's not quite as good as it used to be, but it's still like it's fine. Yeah. But at the time, it was so ahead of its time that, that it, it was like, oh, the effects, whereas now you're just numb to it. It's just, yeah, of course, that's a flying person. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, of course, it, you know, obviously it looks good now. It's like 2021. We're in the future. <laughs> like, you can't impress me anymore. It's like, you know, when James Bond gadgets were just getting to the point where like, you've got an invisible car now, fucking yeah. hell. And then they had to <laughs> dial it all back again and be like, you've got a gun and a radio. We'll see how yeah. you get on with that. But you can't dial it back with them because because they're fucking fictional superheroes, so it's exactly. like well, you can't make it simple anymore. And but I don't. And I, but I, I genuinely wouldn't mind if people just think about them as like people like don't pretend that they're great cinema. Do you know what I mean? Like people go off. Like I mean, Martin Scorsese criticised them, didn't he, a year ago? Well, he said it's not cinema. It's sort of like it's you know he he she actually said it's not a cinema, which is apparently it turns out that is one of the most controversial things you can say nowadays. Because he just got <laughs> like people just went crazy and said like basically talked about him like he's out of an out-of-date movie maker, which don't get me wrong, I've not loved a lot of his more recent films, mm. but I, I wouldn't even compare them to Marvel films in terms of how, the scope and uh, what one's trying to do compared to the other. I think is uh, he's in a different league to anything the, mm. any of the Marvel films that have ever made. So when people talk about him as if they're good, like, you know, people would, I remember people saying like that, that I don't know what, which one it is, maybe the last one or the second to last Marvel film when they're all together. Um, so, some people were saying they could like they were shocked it didn't get an Oscar nomination. I was like, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> it's crap for kids. It's like Doctor Who. Don't tell me, you know, like you can like Doctor Who for a nostalgia reason, but don't tell me it's a good bit of television for grown-ups, you liars. <laughs> or if you're not lying, then that's even more embarrassing. I had a friend who, um, on his birthday, like, he was just alone on the day. Like, you know, he was going to meet up with people in the evening, but he had a bit of time just mooching about on his own in the day. He was like, oh, I'm just going to have a really nice lazy day, go to the cinema on my own. He went to see one of those Avengers things, and he quite likes them, but not in a, like, a obsessive way. But he just yeah. went in, and after, like, what, two and a half hours, he's like, oh, I kind of want to go out for a cigarette. And 
I'm kind of happy with it ending at this point. You know, like I know there's going to be like eight more twists, but I'm happy with yeah, this yeah. ending now. So I'm just going to leave. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm fine with that because it's like before I have to go through like <laughs> all these other like, oh, but actually this happened. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, that'll do me. I've had enough of this now. It's like a choose your own adventure game. Just it leave is. at a certain point, you know. And the last 45 minutes of it normally is just a city getting destroyed repeatedly like buildings getting blown up and blah, blah, blah. and it's like that you could have done that in a minute that could have been a minute of carnage and it would have had more impact you'd be like oh my god that was quite intense instead of you shouldn't after five minutes of watching buildings come down stop giving a shit about the fact there's probably about three thousand people in each one yeah, <laughs> but you yeah. just watch it just like, oh that's another city block destroyed by an alien ship or something yeah it's that's like in them in The Incredibles too, they sort of point out with The Incredibles, like, if you did nothing and didn't try and save anyone, less damage would have been yeah. done, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. the money was insured that the guy was trying to steal, you've, like, trashed this city, you know? And it's, like, the same with them. It's like, yeah, a whole city, and you, you don't think about all the buildings and the yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all the roadworks afterwards, trying to clean it all up again. They never show that, you know, they never, yeah, but they're yeah. not fixing those bridges with their superpowers after the act, <laughs> exactly. are they? They just sit back and take all the plaudits. It's just irresponsible. Yeah. But it's because it is weird. I feel like in like, you know, I'm a child of the 80s and I feel like action cinema had like a real heyday in that late 80s, early 90s. But none of us, none of us thought it was great cinema. We sort of knew what it was. We were watching it watching Arnold Schwarzenegger kill 400 baddies in one go. Mm. There was no, none of us thought this is great. We were just like, this is fun, isn't it? What a laugh. Yeah. And I feel, and it's weird. I feel like that, that's, if the Marvel films were, were made more like that and were sold as that, I'd probably enjoy them more. It's the fact that they do try and take themselves a bit too seriously and they are too long and they do try and have more pathos than the rest of the film probably deserves. And I just so I end up finding any time I watch one on a plane, just like thinking this is just crap. It's just not, yeah, it's, it's not for me, you know. And I know that's this is totally personal. And there'll be people listening, probably who love them and think they're great films. And you know, it sounds snobbish to say what I'm saying, but that is ultimately what your own tastes allow you to be, <laughs> isn't it? You're allowed yeah. to be a snob when you're talking about what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, I know. I think you've argued it well. I think it's a fine choice. Um, and uh, what's what's your um, song choice going to be? Um, I picked a song that I've never heard before, okay. which is, well, I've heard about five seconds of it, um, and it's Ed Sheeran's Galway Girl. Good choice. Because I, I, love, I love the original song of Galway Girl, and I thought it was him doing a cover, which I already hated the idea of, and then I heard five or ten seconds of it, and it's not, it's, a, it's him doing a new song called Galway Girl that the ten seconds I heard was so crap that I was like, oh, I mean, this is, I hate everything about this. You've mm. taken the name of a song I love and made a crap new f- song about it. <laughs> so it's, um, so I, I just, I mean, I'm, and this is, he's not, he's not for me. He's another person, you know, I've heard a couple of his songs and I did not like them, and I'm sure he's great, whatever, or what people are into, and you know, maybe I'd never, but it, it's not for me. And that song, the bit I heard made me go, I'll never, ever listen to the rest of this song. Oh, man. You know what? So I just, I mean, listeners to this podcast will be familiar with my my feelings towards Ed Sheeran. But, oh, is it? All right, cool. But one of the things about him is like, he's so commercially canny, but in such a transparent way. So it's like, he'll kind of go, right, here's my album. And these are the tracks that will go on like Radio 1 and Kiss. And then this is the one that will get played on Magic and Radio 2. And then this is the one that's more rocky or whatever. And you're like, 
stop being so fucking successful. And in this one, it's just like, oh, this is the one that like <laughs> nans will love. And like, and yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. like, but it's the thing with like Ed Sheeran, he's got this like weird faux nostalgia that he sort of trades on where he's always like, you know, our times were simpler then. We were just kids. Like, and it's like, you are you are just a kid, basically. When you're yeah, what, yeah, mid yeah. to late 20s and you're like, ah, oh, but, you know, I met this Irish girl and oh, there we were smoking cigarettes and drinking wine. And you're like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, no one cares. It's also that thing of like, and, the, you know, his songs, the, the ones that I've heard, um, you, they sound so derivative of other songs. You know, I gather a few times he's been sued for, copyright infringement um and i, I totally understand that because like, i remember hearing one that's i heard it and instantly like, the, the chord progression was exactly the same the timing everything was the same i can't remember what, which what, which song of his it is but the first time i heard it come on somewhere i was listening to the music like if you take the words off this this is and it was a motown song i can't remember which one it was but and then it, I look, apparently I looked into it months, ages later. I thought I thought of it again, and I think that they sued him for copyright infringement. And I think, and it turns out it's like, like he's had a couple of those where his songs have been had literally been taken to court for stealing the the music. So there's some, you know, that, I, I, that suggests if you're even if it's not stolen, if you keep getting taken to court for that, <laughs> that suggests your songwriting process needs a little bit of yeah. you know, step back, mate. Ever think. Yeah. Because you know, maybe your songs are a bit derivative. I looked up uh, the lyrics to Galway Girl. Oh, God. She played the fiddle in an Irish band, but she fell in love with an English man. Of course, she played the fiddle in an Irish band. What do <laughs> Irish people do? That's what they do. I've read about these people. They play the fiddle. As a second generation Irish person, I am offended by what he said already. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think I might have heard that opening bit and turned it off. It's like so sort of. Paint it by numbers. It's surprising he hasn't mentioned Guinness yet. But like, but then he goes, kissed her on the neck, and then I took her by the hand, said, "Baby, I just want to dance." Now that you don't just kiss someone on the neck before you take them for. I mean, that's that's too forward. He's got the order wrong there, isn't he? Asked to dance first. If she consents, then the hand, and then the kiss on the neck comes later on. That's what what he's done there is essentially assaulted somebody in an Irish pub, and he just does loads of things of like. To sort of, I don't know, like it's like a sort of throwaway cool thing, you know, like when someone says, oh, "I'll have a Jack oh, and Coke," God, yeah, so Jack Daniel, and it's like because I'm a bit cool, and he does that. He goes, "She took Jamie as a chaser, Jack for the fun. She got Arthur on the table with Johnny riding oh, a shotgun, and then talks about putting Van on the jukebox." And it's like Van Morrison, like what's <laughs> fucking? Oh, oh, because he's Irish as well, and then talks about her like getting up on the table and like doing an Irish song using her feet as percussion. Yeah, see, I don't know any... I've not even heard this, so I can, I can feel it. I can, I can almost hear him singing it. It's crap. Yeah, did you just watch an advert for some stout and just go, oh, that's a good idea? Well, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like somebody doing a spoof of a Guinness ad. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, and that is, should not be... <laughs> your song shouldn't sound like somebody taking the piss out of an advert. It is, I agree. That whole nostalgia thing that he sort of trades on from what i like and i've seen there's a fun i saw somebody do a funny thing online because he's got some song where he talks about like we were smoking cigarettes and stealing or something like when he was a kid and it just somebody took like a a screenshot of the lyrics and put a screenshot of him when he was 15 like he says when we were 15 we were doing this and it's literally him as this little nerd playing a piano and you're like (laughs) you were not doing any of these things mate yeah that's the same song where he's sort of like oh times are different now and like you know, one of my friends is divorced and like one of my friends sells <laughs> clothes and you're like, 
that's allowed. Like what? He's like, what? What? And you're still friends with them? Are oh, you fucking saint? That's also what did he expect? You're not 15 anymore. Obviously, like time does tend to move chronologically forwards. You know what I mean, you stupid idiot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, he's, he, as you can see, it doesn't take much for me to get very angry when yeah, talking yeah. about Ed Sheeran. Um, well, it's a fine choice. It's going to drive you mad because I mean, you're just gonna you're just gonna notice more and more from it, and you're like, wait, did he just fucking say well, yeah. what I think he did? That's my fear. It's almost that thing of like, it was quite nice to hear a couple of lines and turn it off, and then make a conscious decision. I will never listen to that song. Mm. You know, what I mean, it's almost like I'm, it's a lifelong version of that Whamageddon that people do that I'm trying to do with that song. Yeah. So the thought of having to li- having having it be the only song available um, that I ultimately would hear at some point because I'm sure mm. Ellen would love it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I know that would kill me. Yeah, I have heard it in the past, and I I haven't heard it for long enough that it doesn't instantly spring to mind. So I was going to look it up, and I thought I'll just look up the lyrics. And then part of my brain, I can feel it trying to piece it back together with the melody. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not getting there. Not today. No. <laughs> okay, Carl. Finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it, and why? Um, I I wrote two down, and actually one is more just because it's current. I wrote mice because I've currently mm. got two mice that I'm trying to catch. Okay, humanely, mm. which is the downside to being vegan. You cannot just kill these things. Um, but actually, I've gone for flies. I think flies are my least favorite creature on the planet. They're the only. Like, they are one that I you know I I will swat a fly away. I'm not a bloody you know I'm not sort of a apex sort of uh vegan in that sense you know you're sort of jain hindu vegans who won't even walk at night in case they step on an ant you know that's sort of the extreme top tier vegans but i you know i will not kill an animal i will not i'm very careful about my impact and what i purchase i don't wear leather i don't wear any animal products i use cruelty free stuff but flies if one flies in front of me i will fucking hit it <laughs> but i've got it's almost like i've got a blind spot for them because I don't actively try and kill them. If there's one on the wall, I'm not going to get a rolled up newspaper and hit it. But if one flies near my face, they are dead. Do you know what I mean? I I don't know why I find them so annoying. I know they're only small little creatures and they haven't got brains the size of like to work it out. But it's the irrational nature of their movements (laughs) that I just find constantly annoying. I get so annoyed watching one come in an open doorway and then spend an hour not being able to get out. So it's just, it's that, it's annoying. I would get annoyed with them around me all the time. I mean, the good thing about them, I guess, is they help think, I'm trying to think of their place in the bigger picture of nature is like they help decomposition. But that does that happen. Because do? any... I don't even know what they do. I, didn't I don't even, know. I've never I mean... even looked into it. I just, I just, I've just made my decision on them and I've never actually thought, because obviously, I suppose if they, yeah, I should then, think about but that. But do they? Because then they, they prefer decompo- stuff that's already decomposing. So maybe they, they I don't know have what a they're... purpose. I don't know. But then also, the other, you know, like most baby versions of animals are quite cute. What's the baby fly? Maggot. Yeah. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? I have such a phobia about maggots. And like, I know they just can't, they can't even do anything. But like, <laughs> you know, you get those food bins like now with the bins and you put your food in the food recycling bin. Like for basically from like springtime to autumn, I live in fear that I'm going to open that and there'll be maggots oh. in it somehow. Like, It reminds me of like, I... Like I had my uncle used to fish in Ireland when so when every summer I'd have to spend my time over in Ireland, 
and I just I the thought of maggots I just remember ha- having to open like the bait thing and it was just literally a Tupperware thing full of maggots and he'd make me just give him one to put on a thing and I, it makes me feel sick thinking yeah oh man oh god you know when you hear about them like they use maggots now to treat like sort of people who've got gangrene in their leg yeah. I was like I would have my leg chopped off before they put 100% on, my, on an open wound yeah. in my body there have been some great advances in prosthetics I'll take my chances yeah. like no I'd, maggots I'd rather kill myself <laughs> I'd rather be dead than have that happen yeah I'd just be there sitting with flies on my face listening to Ed Sheeran I'm just going for a walk where are you going just into the sea into the, forever into the sea don't, don't <laughs> do not try and save me um, yeah it'd be horrible I hate them I think, um, Carl, this is a really good um, cherry on top of a very shitty cake that you've got. Um, you've done a phenomenal job here today. And uh, so thank Jeez. you so much for coming. And, and I feel like I feel that you look a little bit more sad than when you joined me. And, and for that, I'm sorry. It's, it's weird to go because I always think how much more like I always think I'm super laid back and nothing bothers me, man. And then actually, when you are when you I, I, I wrote the list quite laissez-faire like okay i can yeah that will that, that, that. and actually when you start talking about it, I'm like oh no these do i re- do really hate these things <laughs> they're in a deep part of me well the opposite of one of those podcasts that sort of like lifts you up and sort of makes you feel yeah. better and so i apologize i should have given you a warning before but look i mean fine the rest of your day can be spent without any of these things so you can feel good about that you know it's I'll, like I'll have, a, I'll have a cocktail i'll have a follow-up cocktail exactly one. so will i let's <laughs> <laughs> just get on it mate it's my what is it tuesday yeah. um okay carl um let's distract what was where's the best place to sort of keep up to date with what you're doing what are you up to at the minute um i mean my main thing uh would be my podcast i do with julian dean it's called tvi or it used to be called two vegan idiots but we just abbreviated it to make it easier but um that is we do that weekly it's good fun we get guests we just chat sometimes it's just us and it isn't it's i mean it's pretty rude at times Julian tends to drag it into the gutter every episode. So, um, but it's good fun. So people can find that. It's on all the platforms. And we've recently started putting the footage of it on YouTube, which is new. Nice. So you can watch, if some people like watching podcasts, the weirdos. <laughs> um, so that's probably the best place sort of for regular updates. But I'm on all the social media, like Twitter and Instagram. And I've just recently downloaded tiktok and it scares the life out of me <laughs> have you been on there no i occasionally see videos that are shared from tiktok but it's all it's too noisy and loud i don't know what's happening on it I f- it feels like um th- like it's designed to ruin brains like genuinely obviously no social media is good for you but i i do sort of i don't really like social media i do it as a i've got it has serves a purpose but TikTok's the first one I've got. I've actually gone like, nope, deleted it off my phone about like half an hour after I downloaded it because it is gross. Yeah. I feel like with TikTok, the good stuff gets shared anyway, so I don't need to sit yeah. through all the it, rest of put, it. Somebody will put it on Twitter, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Carl, thank you again for sharing your Desert Island Express. It's been a real pleasure. Cheers for having me. That was Carl Donnelly on Desert Island Dicks. And, you know, you know that by now because you've listened this far. So um, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. If it is a surprise, well, I don't know what to suggest, really. Maybe you need to sort of wonder why your timeline is all fractured. Um, I don't know what else to say here. So I'm just going to do my usual outro, which is where I remind you 
that. Desert Island Dicks is a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus, edited by Chris Attaway, the editing powerhouse. We get social media support from Jason Leach and Chinsey Clinton, which is a made-up name but not a made-up person. And as always, a special mention to Grand Mamster Flash and John Deacon. Thank you, you lovely people for listening, and even the non-lovely people for listening. I don't care. Thank you for listening too. We'll be back soon, but who will we be back with? It's a surprise, so see you next time. Bye-bye.